Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to be motivated by your host, Reverend John Wheeler! Now shut up! You shut up! Sit down! Shut up! Shut up! There's ashes in my eggnog. All right. <laughs> I am rough. having... Well, it's a Christmas episode, so I'm having a cup of cheer. Uh, I aged that eggnog way past the expiration date um, because I found out that you can. Um, and that people that think that that can actually go bad because it's, you know, nearly 15% alcohol, they're just the kind of people that tell you not to eat, like, cookie dough and stuff. Bad people. Busybodies. Nosy types. They don't want you to live your life to its fullest. But no, I did the classic thing where I was looking online, like, because I just, we have all this Costco eggnog because for fuck's sake, like, I can't put that much of this stuff away. Like, I like to drink, but I mean, it, it slows you down. Alexis's dad figured out a great trick, though, where he, you see, you take uh, this already 14% eggnog and throw a shot of bourbon in there. And I knew that was going to be his answer. Mm -hmm. I knew it. That helps. The one time I uh, actually was at his house because I was helping them move. Uh, he offered me some bourbon, I think bourbon or scotch or whatever. It's probably just, bourbon. He's just, a bourbon guy. Yeah, just a, you know, little glass full. I'm like, all right, well, thanks. Usually has the good oh. stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's good for people that like that stuff. But yeah, it, it can like, be a little strong if you, if you don't as much. Yeah, well, around Christmas time, you mix it with the eggnog and you have a good time. But So here's the thing. Um, I did the classic internet thing where I read a bunch of, I saw a bunch of articles saying that you absolutely can't drink this stuff after it's been, you know, sitting in the laundry room for three years after it supposedly isn't drinkable anymore. It's from 2020, a bad year. Um, vintage 2020 Costco eggnog. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I finally scrolled down to, until I found an article that confirmed my beliefs that I already had, which is that it should be fine. <laughs> Because it was already in my house and I didn't want to buy more or throw it away. Uh, but they did say that if something's 14% booze and it's sealed, like, there's nothing. What's going to grow in there? Like, it's just completely, like, it's already filled with the stuff you use to, like, kill germs. I mean, you haven't thrown up yet, so you probably already... No, like... Diaried. I brought this over to the Pelkovich house for their Christmas party. And I made, um... Actually, I made a, uh... What did I use? They had some sort of whiskey over there. It might have been a bourbon. They had a little bar set up in their, their uh, outskirts of civilization development big house area. Um, in the garage, there was a, a, a card table full of various liquors and mixing things. And I was shaking up whiskey and eggnog and putting it in the festive plastic martini glasses. It was a real hit. And uh, yeah, nobody died. I drank it even before <laughs> that. So Yeah. And I've just been putting it back under the dryer where I found it. And every time it's fresh and delicious. <laughs> no, I've been refrigerating it since I opened it. But there is like three more bottles like sitting under the bar over there. That's so gross. It's pretty good. Is it actually good? Yeah. It's better, I think. It's probably like aged and fermented more. Mm. I mean, it hasn't turned into cheese. There's no chunks in it. Like it already is eggnog. Like how much grosser could it get? Um. Like, it's like drinking the stuff that you have to clear out of your throat, so you have to do ah! it double. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're just reflemulating yourself. 
Oh my god. So, yeah, this is the Christmas episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, I hope you're enjoying the horrendous thumbnail that I found uh, that I'm going to use. I've started doing it ahead of time because figuring out the fucking subject of these is sort of hard. I mean, not really. I spend no time thinking about it, and it takes me upwards of minutes when I get all panicky. <laughs> Which, by the way, leading off the of last whatever's episode, as these have been slightly untimely lately, uh, I got a little bit into my ADHD diagnosis, and it turns out that um, doing your best work after you've procrastinated the last second is like a giant symptom of ADHD. And the reasoning is actually kind of amazing because I would never do that with stuff that I cared about. And I never quite put it together. It just seems like, well, of course you don't want to do things that are uninteresting and stupid to you, which is always funny because it's like they ask you stuff like that. It's like, are you, do you have trouble paying attention to things that just immensely bore you? I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm a normal person that loves focusing on stuff that absolutely no one can sit there all day like, yeah, it's great. I love it. And I go home and talk about baseball. Like, no, it, yeah, I guess there are normal people out there. I just don't know very many of them. But apparently that procrastination thing is because it makes something boring exciting. Like, I never... It's so obvious. It's like a finding out how a magic trick works. It's like, yeah, if you leave a boring task that you have to do to the last second and then you're doing it in a blind panic, now it's a challenge. Now it's interesting. Now it's a video game. They're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. I didn't read this thing about, like, I don't know, fractions. Like, but now I got to figure it out. I don't even know. Like, no amount of procrastinating ever made math fun. But I was trying to think of a school subject, and now it all sounds interesting. It's like, oh, this thing about this one part of the Roman Empire. I'm like, oh, now I, now that I'm an old man, I want to read about that. But you know, I didn't so much in third grade, if you can imagine. It's like this is how the irrigation systems work. When I was a little kid, I'm like, That's true. Didn't they teach us shit like that? It's like, who the fuck cares in third grade? We don't even know what that means. I mean, it's like good to know that stuff, but also, yeah. Like, I don't know who was trying to prove what in the public school system, but it was a combination between, like, if you're going, if you're in this, sitting in this classroom, you're going to be working at a Bobby and Steve's for, like, the rest of your life, more than likely. But then also you need to know about the Byzantine Empire's, like, rise and fall. Like, like what kind of people... Like, I know for a fact that public school and shitty little poor suburbs and stuff is just, like a factory worker factory like that is what that is like the it runs like a prison like a bell goes off and you shuffle to the next thing it's like the right answer doesn't matter you're just sort of trying to like you have to make sure to please basically a boss figure make sure that they like you you know so you get the answers right as far as they you know whatever and it's like i mean obviously when you're in third grade you don't know better than your teacher no matter how much of a little smart ass you retroactively <laughs> fancied yourself but that whole behavior thing is like it's like I guess they have to teach you something right so they have to give you crap to do so you can please your boss before the bell goes off and you shovel shuffle to the next destination for the next set of tasks or whatever and parents would complain if all you did was make things all day because they couldn't just have you make things all day without selling them because then that is just prison labor and someone would complain or at the very least like why are we paying so much taxes for this fucking school when you guys are selling license plates on my kids time like you know so you can't do that so you got to teach them right so like learning things is, is you're making license plates all day or whatever it's like you can't sell it to anybody but it feels like it matters uh and then 
you can't just make shit up. You can't just teach them like whatever John decides is funny that day when I become a teacher in an alternate timeline. Or I'm just kind of like teaching them stuff like Calvin's dad from Calvin and Hobbes about how the, the sun goes from east to west because of solar wind and, you know, <laughs> the world didn't turn to color until 1930-something. <laughs> like, but how come paintings were in color back then? It's like, no, they painted with black and white paints and those paints turned colors. The the old photographs are color pictures of a black and white world. Calvin, pay attention. <laughs> How did they know to use the right colors? Most artists were insane. Moving along. Now, yeah, so you got to teach them real stuff. So then what do you teach them? Like, you can't spend all day on, like, you know, the trade schools and stuff are getting mad. If you're like, okay, if the kid can already fix a car by the time he graduates, where's our check? Okay, we can't do that. So, math, which, pfft, useless. Mm-hmm. And then, like weird things like history and civics i guess what the hell did we even learn about in school like there's like seven subjects and i'm actually struggling to remember what all of them were it's like okay science which was a joke it was just like Um, fun until you realize that harder science is just math again english a language we already spoke well we had to learn how to write it and write like different Uh, ah yes papers and the pta's nose would get all out of joint when the school's churning out illiterate children so yes we did have to learn how to write in english we had to uh, gerund Uh, our participles and such sometimes it was health class oh yes penises and vaginas oh jim what a fucking whack way to fill in that seventh hour (laughs) like we're teaching you about running like okay In case, like, you know, you you get a little too fat at that factory job we're prepping you for. I don't know. I got taken out and put in all this accelerated crap, which, you know, all that did was teach me to be a snide elitist. And it worked. But See, I cut out and I went into the work-study program. So, like, I started working when I was 14 and I got to, like, skip half of school. It was so great. That's the real answer, too, by the way. Like, back in the day, a friend of ours by the name of Pogo Noah... Uh, when, I don't know, we were in our early 20s or whatever, and everyone had a combination of either being homeless or working retail. (laughs) I believe he had been choosing homeless at the time, or nearly so. And breaking open parking meters and stuff like that. But um, he made the excellent point once that he was like, it was really the the burnout kids that went into the trade school, like the, what was it, like Votech or whatever. You'd You'd learn how to do like car repair, like work for the parks department or something like that. And at, you know, in whenever this conversation happened, like 2003 or something, uh, you know, those kids were making $12 an hour, which is about, I don't know, it translates to probably what I make at my real job now yeah. because of inflation. Like, not actually, I uh, did fuck around with an inflation calculator. I'm doing better than I would have if I was working at the parks department when I was 23. <laughs> so that's nice to know, but not by a huge lot. Um, but yeah, like Noah was like, no, we're the idiots because we just like went to school the whole time. While we were doing math, they were drinking beer and now they can afford apartments <laughs> and shit like that and can still go out to eat and whatever. I'm like, God damn it. There is some truth to that. They don't have to talk to customers. They just like drive around listening to their CD Walkmans like mowing the lawn in the park on this thing with like a cut off sleeves. Just <laughs> living the fucking life. It was literally like Idiocracy came out years after that talk and that guy, or not Idiocracy, I'm sorry, Office Space. And the guy learned that it would be better off to be like a construction worker with his like weird like mullet friend yeah and yeah like no pogo no is a really like a visionary 
By the way, he eventually became a very, 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 like, handy, crafty guy, and he uh, makes money, like, making things and doing fun stuff. He's also um, the first person I ever knew that converted a a bus diesel engine to run on grease, which is, like, a thing you could do. And that never comes up anymore. Have you noticed that? Like, remember that was, like, a big thing? Like, oh, it runs on greasel. Like, you can, uh, whatever, and... Uh, yeah, it wasn't a very popular thing because it's not exactly an easy thing. Well, that was the thing. You had to explain how, like, you have to be ready to be kind of a wayward piece of shit if you want to live in a grease uh, bus. You have to go around <laughs> and find the grease, and that's usually at McDonald's. Oh, he had a whoever wanted to like give up their grease, and they wouldn't. McDonald's would always be hanging onto that grease because he said that. It was a giant problem with chain restaurants like that. Like they'd be, he'd be like, "Hey, you normally you get charged to throw this away, like, but I'll take it away for free." And they're like, "Oh, that's my manager." And like corporate, you know, whatever. But he said that uh, mom and pop Asian places. A, it was cleaner grease than McDonald's, and yeah. B, whoever answered the door when you were asking the questions probably owned the business. So he's like, "Oh yeah, get it the fuck out of here!" Like, yeah, they're fine. Just don't make a mess. And that's like where. So he like, I have all this secondhand knowledge. Like, well, if I'm ever like living in a bus that runs on grease and I have no money, go to the little Asian places. No factoid <laughs> is he was always a he's always fucking ahead of the game. Now that I think about it, he was the first one of us to like give up sugar completely. Because remember. <laughs> Oh, he yeah. tried fixing his diet way before it was, like, trendy. Yeah, like, yeah. way before. Oh, boy, because I remember feeding him my uh, Christmas tree ornaments <laughs> that uh, you make. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, this is ringing a bell, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I made them, and I was like, well, there's no sugar in them. Um, but they, they smell really good. They smell like cinnamon. Because they just have cinnamon and applesauce. That's right. Stuff in it, and you just let them... They were just hard but, baby food. Yeah, it was like a really, really, really hard, like, gingerbread cookie, basically. But it's like, on the recipe card, it says not edible, but... Yeah, but if you no, look at the ingredients, the hell it isn't. Yeah, I know. It, it, I do remember you feeding him Christmas ornaments. Yeah, that actually, <laughs> for a second, that tracked really weird. And I'm like, no, I was there for this. Okay. It definitely works. So, uh, you lived at the house. Yeah. He also tried the raw foods thing, and then, like, our friend little Nikki thought he would get sick because she thought your body heat comes from the food you eat because <laughs> obviously we're reptiles. And Who was it that said that, like, you can't eat, like, you know, food that wasn't heated? It was her. You're not eat, you're not eating your food when it's like 98, you know, it's like nearly 100 degrees. It's like way cooler than that by the time you're getting it into your stomach. But you're not eating. If you don't eat warm food, you'll freeze to death. Yeah, your body temperature will drop and you'll just die like an iguana in a Florida ice storm. Like, the, yeah. Oh, my poor Nikki. Well, I was telling a. Uh, oh, yeah, I was trying to get. My, so, uh, my work's going to have. We're keeping with the Christmas episode. And, uh, oh, like, right. apparently. An, uh, not really. We're not. This one, there's no way to get off subject because it's, like, it's pretty thin. Well, I'm Christmas ornaments. Christmas ornaments. That was. And we're supposed to have, um, they hadn't had one in a while, kind of because 2020 stopped the party. And then, but this year we're going to have a holiday office party, apparently. And, um, I, this was actually Alexis's idea. And I was, I, I took it and pushed it really hard at work because, uh, Rebecca, who does that, um, who I sit kind of next to, 
it was like it was her job to try to figure out what the holiday party will be and it's like a lot <laughs> like what are we what are we gonna do for that she just like puts her head on her desk like all right like the holiday's over no you have it in like january that's like the work way apparently nah. um it's not like in the 60s where you actually just had it like at work like where not like at a separate place but like it's in your office on like december 23rd before you leave for a while to go be with the kids you just get fucking loaded at work and break the copy machine like <laughs> no it's like oh yeah we're all just you know because it's all the the various stores and stuff like everybody that works for the whole company would be there and that's the reason this idea didn't work but i uh thanks to alexis was really floating the idea of party bus and i used that party bus story from your friend and our friend tiffany's one birthday or whatever the hell that was um an excuse for a gangbang something but uh you know she had a party bus and i was like no it's great because a bunch of people didn't realize that that whole thing when you listen to kdwb and it's like if you arrive by limo or party bus you get in for free and that's just a whole deal they have with all the limo rentals and party bus companies where it's like oh yeah you drive around and they just unload like 48 you know customers into this place where we like have like one or two drinks and leave so yeah you get in for free sure why not and I'm like, that's how it works. And then you just go to all these places around the city. And then I told the story about how me and Nikki were throwing full glasses of beer out the window into people's convertibles and shit. We all got yelled at, which was really funny. It was one of my favorite. This is how I was pitching the idea, by the way. I'm like, we had a keg. There was a bathroom in there and everything. The reason it got shot down is because apparently there are, under the umbrella of Dana International, a lot of people work there. So it's like, I mean, not like tens of thousands or anything but you know, it was just like it'd be like there could easily be a hundred people <laughs> plus each one of them would maybe have their significant other with them so like maybe 200 people we would have needed like a fleet of multiple buses They're like that turned into a bad idea i even was trying to find if there was a double decker bus and apparently oh that would be sweet there, even if there were and it would be uh you can't find one and also i don't think so then I went down a rabbit hole and was looking at if you can have a double-decker party bus like in England and shit. And it's like, it still doesn't hold anywhere near even 100 people. <laughs> too. Like, you can't actually do that idea. But it was a valiant effort. <laughs> but my sales pitch was like, about how, yeah, it's just this giant free-for-all. And we uh, threw beer into this guy's convertible and he got really upset, obviously. And uh, they stopped the bus and came on the bus. And not everybody really knew each other, you know. It was like our weird group. Like, Tiffany has a lot of different friend groups. Yeah. And like... Someone came on the bus to be like, who the fuck did that? Blah, 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 blah. And the timing was amazing. Like, everyone was just silent for like one whole second. There was like a beat. Like, who did that? Blah, 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 blah. Like, the gym teacher is like, all right, listen up. You know, you're in trouble. I think and then, I was like just cowering behind. Most people had no idea it happened. So like, <laughs> like it was just like 1,001, 1,000. And then all every all 50 people on this thing was like, well, I don't know. They're like, all right, all right, all right. Well, that can't ever happen again, or we're going to have to stop this bus. And they laughed and were like, you think anybody really do that? And then everyone forgot about it three seconds later. And then we were like, I was so embarrassing with my friends. Yeah, obviously it was. That was the thing our friend uh, Nikki was, was good for being bad. Like, that was, I mean. She was an all right friend and everything. I'm sure she has qualities besides helping, enabling me to be a destructive lunatic. But um, I always enjoyed that she was both short and often would get things wrong. So, like, we'd be, we'd be <laughs> discussing something, you know, and she'd chime in with, like, this anecdotal fact that for sure isn't true. So I'd be like, Nikki, big people are talking. And then just ignore it. Like, she's a little kid. That made her mad. And probably a little excited. I've learned a stern dressing down does a lot for some people. Ooh, 
That reminds me of something else. This is gonna. This podcast is gonna go nowhere. I hope you're ready for that, whoever. I was watching because um, I got. It was so viciously cold during Christmas, which is another reason why I think Christmas didn't feel like Christmas. There's two Christmases out of three that don't feel like a real Christmas. The ones that are like, there's not even any snow and everything's just brown, which happens occasionally. And you're like, this feels weird. And the ones that aren't like holly jolly snow, like it literally kind of is right now. Uh, but it was like 10 below and there's just these ice storms happening. It's like, like people, it's like, it's like dangerous to leave the house, like. You know, unless you're going to shoot people at the mall or whatever. Like, you're just like, yeah, driving was just super, you know. It's the kind of thing where, like, a bad enough Minnesota winter is like the ocean. You have to fucking respect. Like, if you get a little lazy about precautions, that thing's going to kill you when your back's turned. And, um, or take your fingers. So, um, this year was the, the, the horrible, horrible, horrible freezing ice storm. And I actually kind of got, like, a little bit sick, which is rare for me. Um... Like, for as much as I drink and everything, I counterbalance it with just a Rogan load of supplements and vitamins and intermittent fast. And I do all this stuff to avoid being fat and sick all the time. But <clears throat> I was eating a lot of sugar and treats and going to cold places like parts of my house <laughs> all the time. And I got a little bit under the weather, and Alexis did too. So we most of the uh, Christmas time, I binge-watched The Sandman, which, by the way, was really good. If It's on Netflix. Oh, I already you, saw it. You watched that? Okay, good. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. I was actually impressed, too, because it's like an 80s comic, and mm-hmm. it's like hard to make that not maybe kind of silly. But um, no, it was good. It was it was good, and I liked it. And Pat Oswald was the crow, mm-hmm. and uh, that was funny. And uh, But there's this character. There's all, there are all these personifications of the, the Lord of Dreams and Lucifer's in it. And also, funny aside, uh, Lucifer was Lucifer Morningstar, and they talked about overthrowing the Silver City, which is heaven. And I'm like, this sounds like the show Lucifer. Oh, right. Neil Gaiman was like the executive yeah, producer. On it. That's, that's, all of it was like the same set of <laughs> devil stuff. So that was funny. Uh, but there's this character that was, and this has just been stuck in my head, and I keep thinking about it. And obviously, if you know me, you know that this would be. Um, he's like the personification of like a, a place in dreams, but he'd become human. You know, he was like this green countryside who had become this British man. Uh, this this befuddled old grandfather. And there's a scene where they go to like spoilers, I guess, but it's so disjointed that it's like, how are you giving anything away? Really? But they go, there's like a serial killer convention, I guess, which is hilarious by the way, as a concept. And I think it was not like stupid but like knowingly because it's like those kind of people would never have a convention with each other they're these weird loners that (laughs) think the dog's talking to him it's not really like oh i'm the guy who did this you know they all meet up so it's very funny and i think it was intentionally funny um but then they disguise their convention by calling it a cereal convention like like breakfast cereals and the old the old british man goes up and he's just kind of like we're looking uh, we're trying to find a child we think got lost in here and he's like there's sir there's no children allowed he's like no children allowed at a serial convention like oh yeah i suppose the focus is perhaps more on uh, porridges and mueslis then i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's like rationalizing why it's like oh it's only old people cereal i understand (laughs) it keeps you regular don't you know like i in that tickled me in that way where i often pretend to be winston churchill um that is to say you will you will be sorry you will <laughs> i haven't watched christmas vacation yet this year I, that's what i did for christmas i did that and then i watched the trailer park boys christmas episode 
I need to, yeah, I need to watch that one again because isn't that the one where they, it's, it ends up in a quarter town hall at the end and they all start swearing or something? What? It's church. They're at church. Oh, they're, they're in church. Mass, midnight mass. That's right. Yeah, and they flash back to when they were younger and Leahy yeah, actually kind of cared. Okay, I, I do remember that one. Yes. I do need to watch that one again. Oh, right. it's so good. It's, it's so good. I watch it. That's been my one Christmas tradition that I've done like. I don't know, like the last five years or so. That's like, I don't do anything else. I don't see anybody. I don't leave. I don't go anywhere. You almost that. came to our Christmas, but I then did, again, and then the fucking weather. It was so brutally frosty and unchristmas like. Yeah, we had like a like a seventies Christmas. Um, it was at Alexis's folks' place, and we we like had set up a bunch of party games and things, and and, and like, it's very funny. Uh, an entire Christmas gathering where, like, <laughs> there are no grandkids on it, but anyway, like, maybe Alexa's younger brother, there's hope, but, like, just, they're the youngest person there is just, like, every bit of, like, 25 years <laughs> So it's just like, well, okay. So it was just this inappropriate, um, it's fun. You would have had fun. Um, I ate too much and I didn't feel good. And also, it was like, we also ate too much and then decided to do the game where you have to, like, put a Kleenex box on your lower back and twerk to get things to go falling out of it faster than someone else, and I almost threw up. Ah, sounds awful. Alexis won that one. <laughs> but I want to say, you know, my parents always get me some nice things. Like this, this is actually a really nice dress shirt, but it's also, it's got like holly on it or whatever, so I'm like, I could wear this once a year. I don't know. It's not super Christmassy. Just a little. See, that's Christmas. It is. That's, that's Christmas. But then again, wearing a Christmas shirt when it's inappropriate is the kind of thing I might do because I think I'm so very funny. But they got, they got, they got me a couple of nice things. But one of the things, the, a baffling thing they got me is this book. And this book is called Dear Asshole. And it is 101 tear-out letters to the morons who muck up your life. I can't believe they're... Like, that's what killed me when it's like oh tear out letters you're really you can actually send, send these people and maybe i don't want to tear them out though because i want it to remain a book oh it's perforated though it's, it looks so blank it's, on there it's, it's like, meant to yeah you can actually do this out. but here's the 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 funny thing about this book is that it's i don't know quite how to say this look i'm all for punching down like a lot because there's certain metrics that people do not factor in when they decide what is punching up or what is punching down. I will only say one thing before I move on. You have to punch up to knock someone off their high horse. <laughs> and there are some people out there who are also on their high horses that will call that punching down. And they need to be punched off that horse. <laughs> and if you're smart, you know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. But, but... You know, being able to even get up on a horse is able. Shut up! <laughs> but, punching down, let's see. The first, what's the first one? There's a hundred and one letters, to, and so, it's these things where you're 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 yelling, apparently, because you can't, and by the way, this, this is a present for me is insane, because, like, if I'm going to, to give a letter to someone who has wronged me, I am going to write the shit out of that thing myself. I don't need these people to write it for me. And I had a theory that we were talking about earlier, which was that someone saw, and some of you might know what this is. Someone wrote 
this scathing review of, I think it was Chipotle or somewhere, some burrito place, where someone made their burrito where the ingredients weren't all like, you know, mixed. It wasn't like a row and you mix it up and you're eating everything at once. They made it in columns. So they're like, they're like, oh, and what should I discover as I battled my way through the, the dry, choky land of lettuce? My reward was to enter the realm of sour cream. <laughs> it was a long time before I got to Beanville, which was a brief reprieve until I ended up in the land of rice. <laughs> plain, plain rice, not touching anything else. Who would want that? Um, a massive fuck up right there. But it was like the, the guy who wrote it, it was like one of the funniest things I've ever read. <laughs> and I think that Jillian Madison and Michelle Madison, I have some theories already. Yeah. Uh, is there a Karen Madison? Never mind. Yeah, I know. I was going to. I'm about to say that. Um, I hate. I'm starting to hate the, the Karen thing. I'm like over it. Yeah. Just say cunt because you mean cunt. You know, okay, though, the problem with that is that in Australia, and we're kind of a global community, cunt is a term of endearment, and I would just hate for someone to accidentally think that you're just like, you've done a right bloody job of that, you cunt. And you're like, oh, maybe, maybe that's fun. Karen is so very specific to the point that the people who have been like, it's a racist term against women who are speaking their mind or whatever the fuck. Oh my god. Not racist, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna say that because it's funnier. Like it's whateverist against the only people that care about Sexist. anybody's problems, which is white women, but whatever. Yeah, like that thing where it's like it's a way to try to take the wind out of their sails, but literally people are only ever saying it about People who, like, tip nothing at a restaurant because they didn't say God bless you when you sneeze. It's like, oh, yes. I would really hate for people that act like that's rights to be trampled upon by being made. And by the way, not their rights being trampled on. Being made fun of, which no one has the right to not be. And I do understand that, like, since everyone that, you know, makes policy on the Internet is between 19 and 11 years old <laughs> so bullying and everything is a very real thing in that world uh but honestly yeah no you get made fun of that's 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 what happens sometimes you don't deserve it and then you make fun of them better and by the way that's an art form that i would hate to have been lost one of my um and i've been going to therapy one of my defense mechanisms which we've recently been getting into the fact that I do have a real personality that probably resembles what would have happened to me had everything gone somewhat normally, but I am basically mostly uh, Darth Vader's costume made out of defense mechanisms, just walking around autonomously with barely a living thing inside it running the show. And knowing that was actually, I'm making light of this, it was actually kind of a good breakthrough. It was like, I like my therapist, he's very good. And it, it helped me think about how, you know, so much of who I am, like my my patent just not caring about things, which sometimes is good. I don't let things bother me, but it was just a, it was a um, reaction to like bullying, you know, coming from like, even like some of my very own relatives and such. The easier thing to do is they wanted a little rise out of you. Oh, we're just teasing you, Johnny. Yeah. And they're you know, the kind of people that would get mad when you'd be like, 
So wait, my what's overwear? It's like, you're supposed to say it's like, oh, are you getting mad because your attempt to upset me is backfiring? And now you're like, God, I hate people like that so much. And I, I and I and rightfully I do. But I really learned how to confound them when someone's just like, think fast, and then you just get out of the way and whatever they threw to you like breaks. And they're like, you're supposed to catch it. It's like, you're not supposed to throw things on the floor, Josh. Like, I you're not good at sports! And you know, it's just like <laughs> Look, I'm good at sports, and if you don't care about sports, then that how will you know I'm better than you? So that whole thing with you not caring is really fucking my whole thing up, man. Like, <laughs> oh, I just think about penises all day. I mean, fuck! You know, and that's... I've gotten good at that, because while that guy's doing that, I'm just kind of like... You know, and, and that's maybe good. I'm, I'm actually pretty good in a crisis. Um... Sometimes even better, again, I think I've heard that's an ADHD thing where you're like, when the place is on fire, you're like right on top of it. When there's nothing to do, you're actively setting fires. It's like, you know, I kind of get that. Like the procrastination thing. We're like, well, yeah, it's boring to go over the details on a quiet day. But like when, you know, there's like a tornado coming and it's like, all right, everybody, you know, then you feel like you're doing something. You're, eh, it's stimulating. So this book was written by a couple of Karens. That's what we're doing. And I, here, and I, 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 I haven't even read this yet. I haven't read page one. I skipped around and read a few of them, and I, you know, I get it. People are assholes, and they and they need a good dressing down. Why someone needs to write it for you, and then why you need to tear it out, and I don't know, leave it somewhere for them to find. This is so passive aggressive. Like if this, it is really ultimately the <laughs> shittiest book probably ever written. Even and ever. I am going to read one page an episode from. Now there's no way the podcast is going to last this long, but whatever. Like the back. Yeah, it will. It's a humor book. Oh, I'm sure it will. Um, now, if it's incredibly meta and making fun of the kind of people who would write these letters, I fully would get it. Having read a few of them, I do not think that is what is happening. Um, but let's read the back first. Let's do that. This is a special Christmas episode, so we get a little extra reading. Dear asshole who picked up this book, ever wish you had pen and paper so you could leave a nasty note for that jerk in the Hummer who parked in parked you in, or the asshole always attached to his Bluetooth. Yeah, fuck that guy. Good thing you picked up this book. Dear asshole, is your unfiltered collection of 101 tear-out letters to the idiots who are f you are forced to encounter on a daily basis, whether it's the asshole who tried to fix you up. Oh, with like a date? Okay. I guess so. I don't even Maybe your car. That doesn't make sense. The asshole backseat driver. That, okay, they're annoying. The asshole always asking you for favors. Yeah, all right, fuck them. Or the asshole didn't flush the toilet. There's so many assholes to choose from. This book guarantees to help you make the world a little bit less annoying by leaving passive-aggressive notes for everyone you run into. Take it from us. It's not easy work. Oh, boy. Julian and Michelle Madison have built a network of well-connected pop culture websites and podcasts which currently receive over 40 million page views per month. They've been featured on thousands of professional sites and blogs. Professional. They live in Connecticut. Big surprise. The birthplace of assholes. Okay, you got me. Visit them on whatever. So, let's read the first one. This has all been building up to this, by the way, though. Because this is the first one. Okay. I haven't read anything beyond the, the who it's to, and that has really set the tone for everything. <clears throat> Dear asshole restaurant server, that was the worst service ever. 
You ignored me for 20 minutes before you took my order, and you didn't refill my drink because you were too busy flirting with the bartender. <laughs> Next time, skip the long-winded dialogue about your stupid special of the day. I came for a casual meal, not to learn the 62 steps involved in preparing a Chilean sea bass. Oh, thanks for leaving my food rotting in the pickup window while they were out back smoking with the Jamaican dishwasher. Wow, they're racist. Cool. That was a nice touch since you clearly value nicotine and dreadlocks more than hot food. This is the first page. I'm sure you understand why I won't be leaving you a tip. Most sincerely, they expect me to put my name on that. That's a whole thing. P.S. Save the attitude. I asked you for a straw, not a kidney. P.P.S. The bartender's just not that into you. Well. Wowzers. Uh, yeah, bud. And then look on the back of the page. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, uh, nope, nope. Nope. Oh, it was there for a minute. <laughs> but yeah, it says just who it's to on the flip side so you can tear it off and leave and it. fold it? Dear asshole. <laughs> yeah. You know There's what's funny? There's a whole thing, and I cannot wait to read the rest. Life is about taking risks. Okay? That preamble that I don't know how long I spent on it. I could look at the timer, but I won't. Um, <laughs> leading up to high horses and Karens and cunts and people, blah, blah, blah. I could have eaten complete shit on that first page. And be like, oh, it's a little tongue-in-cheek and it's clever. But no, apparently you value nicotine and dreadlocks more than my hot food. That is so pampy and whiny and boozy and bitchy and cunty and... The thing is, is here's what... I do think my parents understand me to a degree, so I think that... No, this truly is a gift, because I think they knew... Fucking perfect. That I would look at that and be like... Are you like you know, like I would give this to you to be like here. This is a handy book for everyday life, you know. Like if um, okay, who had I the theory that um, the family circus was actually bitterly sarcastic and it just took off? I think that was Taylor Motari. Probably. Like Jeffy sure walked around a lot before doing his errands. What an idiot! Like the guy's <laughs> just like the, the dad's like always be careful, son. <laughs> Or whatever. Like, I was like, it kind of, kind of breathed new life into the family circus for me, which I read to this day. And also, the guy, if you didn't already think that George R. R. Martin looks a little bit like a pedophile mall Santa, <laughs> the guy who makes pet family circus looks like if George R. R. Martin was a pedophile mall Santa. I'll look it up now. <laughs> I think George R. R. Martin like like cleans the boogers off of his sweater before he goes in public, and I do not think the author of the Family Circus, uh, dear asshole, author of the Family Circus, please clean the boogers off of your sweater before you write boring drivel about dressing up the family in their church clothes, only to have them using their imagination in the car. Can you believe such wacky antics? Coming from little children on their way to church. Well, Google is worthless, like you had said. Wait, I think that was him. 
The black and white. No, never mind. That's not him. Or maybe that was him in like the forties. <laughs> it's like a hundred years old. Like that. That's there's a guy. Is that him? I don't know. I See, thought he was like a thing. fat guy with a beard, or maybe that was just a part of a ball of lies well, Taylor was telling me. Family circus, correct? Yeah. Yeah, there's two two people that do it. Um, oh. Bill and Jeff Keen. How the fuck does that take two people? Like one guy to draw like the same picture over and over again, and the other guy to write a sentence that isn't funny. Like that's incredible. Oh, I guess we'll Bill Keen. Oh my god. Okay. Hang on, though. My, I'm having one of those things. The headache with pictures. An idea. Um, I was. I figured out that mid-journey, you know, you can put, like, comic artists into it, and I was making all those far sides with Donald Trump talking to the toilet God, and stuff. Okay. So good. <laughs> yeah. And, like, <laughs> the one said, I love you, son. It was, it was something. But, yeah, it actually made the, the far side by Gary Larson. It actually, like, aped his style pretty fucking close. And a lot of them, I've had pretty good luck with Josh Agle and, and, and a few artists that I like. And my, my favorite thing is making horrible, disgusting shit and then doing in the style of Norman Rockwell because that just yields. Like the thumbnail for this week's episode. Um, but yeah, I want to start making my own episodes of the Family Circus that is just about <laughs> blasphemy and eating their children. I don't know. Whatever. It's, it's stuff. Like there was like there was like strips where they're like learning lessons from the Bible, and I just I can't let that. Actually, like I don't even know if I need Mid Journey for that. I'm just gonna erase the words and with Photoshop and just add in my own. And they're gonna yeah, be better. There you go. Perhaps I'll take a few pages out of Dear Asshole. Yeah. Anything else about that book? Dear Asshole, who borrowed my shirt? I don't know. We're just gonna read a page every day. I am gonna write in it because I don't care. But I need to know which ones we did, and it doesn't matter, you know, now, but it will. So, check. We read the asshole. All right. Wait, did you have something? No, I oh. got lost on the family circus. I'm sorry. You were about to say something. <laughs> I can fully, like, hang on a second. I did want to talk about, I have notes. Okay, the devastating winter spell. Yeah, we talked a little bit about my therapy where I'm kind of performative. That's, we knew that, though. That's no surprise to anybody. Oh, yeah, I'm going to write a book. That's my other... And, you know, how does this relate to why does Christmas not feel like Christmas anymore? I mean, aside from that, you're an adult now, you horrible little baby person. Here's my page out of the book, by the way. Dear asshole who won't let good of, go of their childhood because theirs was actually good. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you and your Disney blankets. Like, fuck you and your, like, warm memories of, like... Just, like... Like, Christmas feels like Christmas to me because nothing has changed. It's fine. Except for now, I can wear an ugly green turtleneck sweater and drink like a grown-up on a Christmas. <laughs> like, when in... Oh, like a bunch of Christmas assholes. Like a bunch of Christmas assholes, yeah. I get to wear, like, a checkered suit and just yell at everybody. Like, that's always what it was for me, though. It's like, you, you know, you're just remembering these, just, like, everything was... And my Christmas as a kid were, like, fine, but... Like, that thing where... The idea that my childhood... I wouldn't... You couldn't pay me to be a little kid again. I didn't like it. Like, you don't have any agency. It bothers me. I at least, you know, I didn't like being under the thumb and I didn't like not being able to, you know, get into things or whatever. Like, I'm an adult. And it's like, yeah, I have responsibilities. Boo-hoo. But I also get to kind of do whatever I want. You know, it's like, 
I learned how to drive. I learned a couple of skills. And, and I'm old, right? Like, I was poor for a long time. But, you know, it's like I got my shit kind of together. So I learned some skills or whatever. It's like I'm not, you know, yeah, if I was 42 and working retail right now and having to, like, take the bus, I'm sure I would have a gun in my mouth every minute I wasn't on that bus or at work. Like, for sure. It sounds fucking terrible. I get it. So you're like, remember when you were a baby and people would just wipe your butt and feed you? Isn't that better than, like, being in your 40s and working at Target, like, yeah, probably it is, I guess, before you had kid, all those kids with that truck driver. Yeah, I'm sure those warm days of, like, no responsibility, but I barely have any now. Less so, because there's no teachers to make happy. It's like I have one boss who I like, who gives me a lot of money to mostly do things that I kind of think are fun. So, yeah, like, oh, I want to go back to first grade when people would shove me and call me gay and I would get yelled at because everyone has a headache and doesn't have time to listen to me. Like, yeah, 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 that sounds fucking absolutely way better than booze and sex and driving a car. Like, yeah, sure, sounds great. Like, Christmas just isn't the same. It's like, oh, because you found out Santa wasn't real last year. Great. I have to. <laughs> I have to shake that table. I, All right. Fuck. You know what? Dear asshole that makes me stop shaking my own podcast table. <laughs> How dare you go, this is ruining the audio and fucking up the computer. It's, I mean, it's, it might be your computer, but it's my podcast. Say something right. <laughs> well, it was probably made in China. You know how those people are. Yeah, I don't know. What? How? I mean, I'm sure. You know what? I gotta take my hat. I couldn't think of anything racist, but I'll bet Jillian and Michelle Madison could. <laughs> anyway, yes. So here's something that's connected somehow to what I was just yelling about. I'm an adult. Not only am I an adult, because you're an adult at 25, which is fucked up and weird but i'm in like my 40s i'm not too far away from being in my mid 40s which means i'm an old man <laughs> so i get to smoke a pipe and wear a sweater and go like yeah like i was in rock bands and i probably you know i could still do that if i wanted to i'm done with it but now i can like paint a picture of a sailboat or write a book <laughs> i've chosen write a book and it is not going to be the softball pitch of, oh, I'm going to write a book about all of my escapades in my life. I'm sorry. There's a book on tape about that, and it's called All of These Podcasts. <laughs> Listen to them in order, and you will slowly get an idea of who I am. Um, and also the other problem would be that just if I wrote a book about my own life, it is kind of interesting, but also I've forgotten a lot of it. And the parts that I haven't forgotten, I'm definitely going to lie about. So it's going to be a work of fiction one way or the other. So I'm going to take myself out of the equation. And I'm just going to... Oh, also, I have no machinations of doing one big thing that, you know, brings me up to this level of notoriety or makes me so much money that I never have to work again because I like work now. Ha! Take that, universe. It's like, you know, I don't have to desperately try to find a way out of what I'm doing every day anymore. So now I can just wallow in my own crapulence. So this book can be completely insane, and I don't have to care about whether or not anybody wants to buy it or read it or whatever. Now, I would, of course, write it to my the best of my abilities, and I would try to keep it interesting. And... Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about that for a second, because... All right... So, 
A lot of weird stuff comes out of my mouth all the time. And I have a love of world building. Like, it's a big thing. Like, I imagine I would, if I had the patience for this, and we have found out firsthand that I don't, I'd be a good Dungeons & Dragons, like, Dungeon Master guy. I like coming up with, like, how everything works and how every Like, I find that fun. I know that that's probably tedious for some, and they're only interested in a character or the narrative or whatever. But I really, 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 really like world building. And that might be because my dad used to read me, like, not even just The Hobbit, but, like, the actual, like, Lord of the Rings books and, like, Dune and shit when I was a little kid. Like, uh, uh, chapters of, of those as a bedtime story. And I'm glad he did because my love of, of, of fantasy and, and lore and anything that's possible or whatever likely stems from a lot of that. And, um, again, I like to wallow in my own crappy lens and I, I want to build a world. So I had to, you know, think about how I would do that. And I think it came with age a little bit because it's like, you know, sometimes they're like, well, maybe I want to make a movie. And it's like, that's so much. Like, to make a movie, you basically have to write a book and then do a bunch of other stuff. Like, exactly. it's totally insane. And as much as I'm kind of a filmographic guy, I'd still have to involve so many other you people have that to it would write just it be. First. I got to write it first anyway. So, and some advice that I got once was like, if you want to write, just try to write a short story. If it spirals out of control into a giant novel, great. If not, you wrote a little short story. Maybe someday I'll write another one. You know, all right, great. And that's that's how I'm looking at this. So, I want to build a world where there is some, there is, certain things are true. Like, right off the bat, everything Graham Hancock has ever put forward is definitely what fucking happened. Two, it's also definitely a simulation. Three, all the stuff in the Bible that makes it sound a little bit like maybe it's talking about a simulation and the, all the God stuff is actually like the programmers and stuff trying to keep you from doing stuff. Like God's main complaint about the Tower of Babel being like, look, now that they did this, there's basically nothing they can't. There's, there's literally nothing they can imagine that they cannot do. And for some reason, God had to go and, and no to that or whatever, because they all spoke the same language and like whatever. And so he like blew up the tower and scattered everybody. And it's like, sounds a lot like a bit of a matrix reset. I wonder how you would do that. Maybe a big meteor shower that causes a bunch of floods and things. Huh? But okay. So like, that's definitely like, that is just a truth. Is that what it starts off talking about? No, but just in that world, that is what's going on. Two other things. I have an obsession with the idea of a slightly alternate universe Charles Manson that had his shit just a little bit more together in a certain way where he becomes the president. That's a huge <laughs> thing for me. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> president Charles Manson is an idea that I was on an old, I think it was a Bill episode, but I went on like nearly a 40-minute tirade where at the end he was like, that could happen if he was still alive. I'm like, I know. And like, <laughs> it's, I thought about it a lot. I think I originally came up with that probably talking to Chris Massimore of the Blue Felix bus, and I think his reaction was, that could happen, and I said, I know. So anyway, like that's been a thing for like a little while. And that, that world, that aspect of the world, um, takes everything in the book Chaos that kind of talks about how the CIA was like giving... Charles Manson access to things like LSD that the government had and, and all this stuff, like which apparently a lot of people were like, this holds a lot of water and actually makes a lot of sense. And the guy took like 20 years writing that book. And it's like, so we're just going to assume much like all the Grand Hancock stuff that that is all true. Like for sure that yes, 
they were funneling LSD into this guy, like, whatever. Um, and they were trying to, like, use him for things. And that's why he would just, like, go to jail for felonies. And they just, like, let him out randomly because the federal government stepped into the local courts. And they're like, okay. Like, boy, that's not weird. Um, all that stuff. That's a thing. And then the final truth, or the final important aspect of this story I want to write, is that Nikola Tesla, were he to exist in the universe where everything H.P. Lovecraft was true, he would eventually, (laughs) through technological innovation, open up gateways to that stuff. How are you tying all this together, John? All right, and here's how. It's actually easier than you think. Okay. One, the Lovecraft universe and the universe where everything Graham Hancock has ever ever even dreamed of randomly when he was drunk is true. (laughs) (laughs) And the Bible is mostly talking about things that are a simulation. Those worlds are easily not mutually exclusive. Like, those worlds easily go together. If you think about things like, okay, we're a simulation, so why is space the way it is? If there was a wall around the Earth, well, a wall demands what's behind it, whatever. Outer space, it's basically like you're a programmer and you're like, well, what if they like even get a rocket into orbit? And it's like, well, we're going to take that number before you get to the next second. Oh, we fucking up! And there's going to be no air. Everything's radioactive. It's freezing cold there. You're never going to fucking... It's like trillions and trillions of miles of nothing. Like, knock yourself out. You just can't. It's just like a way to be like, whatever. However, there could be things... That, you know, the programmers needed to put there. It's like, okay, so we hide that stuff way, 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 way out there. But on the off chance that someone figures out how to bend gravity or something and get all that way, we have to come up with things that are so horrifying that if you ever do get there, you never try again. How would you describe those things? Like, um, it's just, it's just tentacles the size of a mountain that existed more than one dimension at once, and you can't get to it. However, though, on that tip, on the Tesla end of it, when you do get to like, okay, think about, you know, like mid-journey, for example. It's almost a conjuring at this point. You say the right words, you get certain things. And if you say them a little bit differently, it never quite works. You say it the right way and you get that opening into God's own nightmare, like all those 1970s puke recipe monsters that I made <laughs> and stuff. Like, And, you know, so if you were to figure out the code the way people maybe were about to do with the Tower of Babel or whatever, it's like you might find a way to like cut the path and alter things to where you can like bring those monsters here, perhaps circumvent them or whatever. And, you know, not very many people have a mind for that kind of thing, except for perhaps someone who spent all day sitting there staring at the sun and then just went and wrote down a thing for like making wireless electricity possible when we had invented lights about two years ago. Like, yeah, that guy might figure it out. So here's what happens. We have to fuck with the timeline a little bit. We leave Tesla where... He is. By the way, I'm also, it's not going to be total fan fiction, but it's going to be really thin. So I'm going to be like, um, he's going to be Nicholas Turing or something like, you know, like <laughs> Alan Turing. He's like, but it's going to be he's gonna mustache, skinny, everything, even like mannerisms that I can like read about or whatever. It's going to be obvious who it is. Um, and maybe Charles Manson, Charles Morgan, someone who would have also existed in the time of Tesla or whatever in the early 1900s or whatever, when the radio is being invented and all that stuff and world war one is happening. World war two is eventually going to happen. So in this world, 
we have, we have Charles Manson, but the version of him is the kind of guy that can actually like gain political power. He's like, not so unhinged. He's very persuasive. He uses drugs to control people, and he has like a giant cult or whatever. And you know, if you're like, how would how would creating a giant cult allow you to become like the governor or the president or something? And I don't know what timeline you've been living in, but that one was ours. <laughs> and so that's very very possible. It's weird that I had this idea before all that. It made when it was happening kind of extra weird for me <laughs> anyhow his his basically his cult of personality and violence and everything um and also charles manson was very racist and where this character is not going to be someone you're going to be rooting for so he's going to be every bit of that and uh and also scapegoating you just can't rise to power in that way in history basically without scapegoating and he had his things and that's all going to be definitely like there so essentially what happens, what I want to have happen in this, and I'm going to figure out how it's all going to work. But Charles Manson's character becomes like the governor of California, but in like a weird way where it was almost like, well, not in a weird way, the exactly the same way that Hitler became the chancellor of Germany, where it was like people were sort of afraid to vote against the party because they'd already gained a little power, but they were very, very violent. And like, it just kind of turns into a thing where like, you don't think that can happen in America, but it definitely fucking can. So he kind of becomes like appointed something like the governor of California and he starts trying to figure out ways to like um, merge the other states together and stuff like that. He's like, we're all one people. It's all one power, baby. You can't have, it's not the United States if we're all different states. It's going to be the unified system of America, baby. Yeah. yeah. And now that's what you know, he's going to do. So at this point in time also, when that is starting to happen, the analog for Nikola Tesla is running into that thing where like all the capitalists of the world are like, JP Morgan and stuff are like, oh, we realized you were trying to like give away like electricity for free and do all this crazy shit. Um, we're cutting you off because like this is business. You can't just do yeah, it's innovation, but you can't just do that. No. And then he was starting to hit the skids. Well, somebody found him and did believe in him and picked him up, dusted him off, and gave him a chance. And he said, Can you make some of those? wonderful things for me because see i got the power now baby i'm the governor of california we're a big state we got budgets we got funding ain't nobody asked me where it goes because they're afraid because i bring a knife into the office and like whatever and like so that's all happening and there's just like you know scary hippie girls just staring at people and like ah. and so he's like funding all of nikola tesla's crazy stuff and he's like i just need you to do a few things for me baby you know and uh so it's like he starts you know he starts having these big rallies, as you do, and whatever, but he's got, and I'm ripping off the prestige here a little bit, so he has, like, Tesla's, just build me stuff for sure. It doesn't gotta actually do nothing. I understand your ideas are good, and they're crazy, and I'm behind it, baby, but here's the thing. Is, like, this, I wanna... is this where the Lovecraft shit comes in? Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is probably not gonna be a short story. So, like... <laughs> You know, so he's gonna he's gonna have like things where it's like you know again this is we've scooched it back in time to the early 1900s so it's like light bulbs are new but then you know Charles Manson's like up there like giving speeches and there's like lightning coming from behind him and stuff and like super low frequency things are making people all paranoid and he's like ah so he has like all these fights just like gives everyone a tab of acid like is a that where the communion or whatever we're a long way from there. <laughs> Oh my God. I just wanted to set the stage. But the point is, is that he uses sort of his, his charisma and hypnosis combined with like the showmanship and, and, and scary new technology of all of Tesla's stuff. But then here's where we veer a little bit. Uh, there's all the conjectures like, was Tesla really working on like death rays and things like that? And of course, as I've been saying with everything else in this universe, 100%, that was, a, that was absolutely a thing. These were earthquake machines and like stuff that could level cities and whatever. Uh, 
so yeah, like eventually it just becomes where it's like multiple Western states are all one big giant state unified in this huge, insane acid cult of personality with all these like scary, like showmanship things. But uh, essentially we get up to where like World War II starts happening. But at this point, you know, we have like Manson's regime, like funding all of Tesla's things. So we have like death rays and supersonic flight, like way more. It's like Japan attacks us and we just sink the entire country. And it's like, whoa. And then that's where he ends up being like just so unbelievably powerful that like Russia and Germany is like, this became inconsequential. Like the, it didn't even escalate beyond that. They're just like, okay, like we didn't even nuke this country. Like we just, they're gone now. Like it's actually hard to prove they're ever there. And, but here's where this all comes in. We get to a point through all of the, the stuff where basically Tesla kind of figures out we're in a simulation and thereby also all of these Lovecraftian things are out there and like whatever. And he kind of gains the ability to do all this stuff. And he kind of opens the seventh seal to try to like stop what's happening because he's like, I, should never have taken money from this guy. Like this is all just gotten so bad and so out of control that I'm going to start doing things now where it's like, is, and it becomes this moral thing of, is this letting this stuff loose in order to maybe stop this worse than just letting this go to whatever its actual conclusion is. And we discover along the way, all the other weird stuff I was talking about. It's like, well, why is all this working? It's like, well, it's because we're actually, you know, oh, nothing is real, and the Bible's actually like an account of how, yeah, like we've we've had brushes with the people that actually like made our reality and whatever. Well, also the other the thing that I wanted to write in was that um, the people who made our simulation basically after Jesus, like they're they're actually just dead. Like the whole Jesus coming to earth as an analog of the uh, creator of the matrix or whatever that we're in was a hail Mary thing to be like, okay guys just try to love each other. And you know, it was like, just try to what it was like one of the last people on life support that was as their civilization falls apart being like, you guys kind of carry on vestiges of what the best of us cared about here. And we're like, ah, we then we killed that guy and wrote some of it down wrong and just went on. <laughs> so it's like, God's got to be out there somewhere. It's like, nope, we're just a simulation that's just making it up as it goes along at this point by itself. And then uh, people within it after a giant uh, psycho, psychedelic, sexual, fascist nightmare brought on by um, President Charles Manson during an alternate universe version of World War II where he hires Nikola Tesla to sink Japan. Um, Charles Munson, and it's... Morgan, I think it was. Oh, Charles Morgan, but Charles Morgan. for Munson. It's two on the nose. <laughs> and at the end, they will refer to him as the son of man, and the reader will go, John, we figured this out like 900 pages ago. because i'm not a writer but the thing is is i have a pipe and a sweater and i'm old and it's christmas god damn it and that is my wish good night the reverend john wheeler podcast takes zero responsibility for the words actions or ideas of its host guests or listeners though the people on the screen may at times be speaking directly to you and may occasionally give you direct calls to action neither reverend john nor the alchemical cocktail lounge are under any moral or legal obligation to answer for the potentially disastrous repercussions that may arise if you are stupid enough to actually follow the orders of a raving lunatic think for yourself and do whatever you want because you're on your own if anyone ever tries to sue this podcast, black SUVs will converge on your location in the darkness of night and you will never be seen again. Remember to like and subscribe.